This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. If you had to buy a car tomorrow, would you be prepared? How do you determine how much you can afford? And what are some good negotiating tips? We'll talk about those things today, and we'll also cover financing options on this Paying for a Car show. Our guest is Roddy Merritt, a Mississippi automotive expert. We also look for your personal finance questions, as we do each week, so give us a call to join the conversation. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or send an email. It's money at MPB online. Online.org. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So just an, I guess, sort of an, a car-related uh, financial thing here. What bothers me is when you buy a car and then they keep calling you several, you know, months, years later, telling you that it's time for you to buy a new car. They want to buy, buy your own car. No, no. <laughs> Don't answer that fault. So oh. I, you, you've talked about getting those letters before, and I got one of those letters maybe just a month or so ago. It was the first time I'd gotten one. And, you know, I was tempted to see, you know, oh, you know what, how much are they going to offer me? Like, what can I do? Is there some way to come out really good on this deal? But then I was just like, you know what? It was a lot for me to get this new car, and I don't, you know, this emotional connection I have to it. I don't. He I, does get emotionally I, connected I know, to cars. You should have seen what he was driving would, before this one. <laughs> I just don't know how that would work for me on well, an emotional level. I guess there are people that do that, but I'm maybe I'm a rare breed. But I like to pay off my car note and enjoy several years of not having a car note. I think note. that's a wise thing that, to do. That yeah. usually um, makes sense. Yes. So, um, but the other one. So that's but this one though is just the guy called me up and he said the two the 2020 Kia Souls are here. It's got better air conditioning, better this, better that. And he rattled off like a list of every part of the car you could possibly be and how much better it was. Oh, better air conditioning. That has value down here. Well, <laughs> and it's funny because it probably is, but it's like, well, in effect, you're kind of trashing my car by trying to get me to come down there and buy the new 2020 model. So, anyway. Uh, what about financial news in the news? Well, we had our big CFA forecast dinner this last week. It's always a huge event at the Jackson Country Club and uh, we invite uh, a group of panelists. We had four panelists this year who are talking to us about the economy, the U.S. economy, world economy, um, making their forecasts for what will happen through this year. It's quite interesting. We had 
had uh, one standout, a British guy. Everybody just loves the British oh, accent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that and accent um, got him. he was quite entertaining. Um, he talked a lot about the trade war and said, oh, it's not really a war. It's more of a skirmish. And I'm not sure I buy that totally, especially if you're one of those Delta farmers feeling the pinch uh, from the decline in sales out of the country. Um, but it was very good, very entertaining. And uh, they talked about some of the um, challenges in emerging markets. That was a theme through all of that. But a very good uh, evening for all of us. All right. Uh, so if you have a personal finance question or a question about financing a car, you can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. As I mentioned earlier, our guest for the hour is Roddy Merritt, a Mississippi automotive expert. So, Roddy, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you would, give us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I've been in the automotive industry since 05. Uh, started out kind of like a lot of people, started out very low. Actually, I started out detailing cars and then moved my way all the way up to being in management as well as doing some F&I and finance stuff. And um, so I've been all over the spectrum from digital marketing and looking at budgets and planning and hiring and unfortunately having to fire and those sort of things and been able to see the trends over, you know, a decade of the car industry and going through probably one of the worst times of the car industry up until now, which is probably one of the best times of the car industry. Uh, but, Roddy, what we're hearing is a <laughs> slowing of car sales That's right, right. Now. That's right. Um, I, I, I used to speak to a lot of my colleagues about that. Um, we typically in the car industry, everyone looks at year to date and they want to see that we're up year to date. We're up year to date. And we are. We're starting to see kind of not necessarily a decline, but we're starting to see a plateau. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the biggest one is kind of what you guys were talking about. Car manufacturers and car dealerships have been so used to people buying a car every two and a half, three years. They're, they've been used to that. So you have people that are regularly buying a car, even though their other car's not paid off, they haven't had it very long, not much has changed um, other than technology and things that have come into it. Well, people are stopping doing that because the market has gotten very saturated. And um, one of the things we saw is also the, the rise of what people are actually paying for vehicles. Um, it's shocking. Yeah, it's very uh, shocking. Yeah. It's when you, uh, trucks, uh, those sales have held up, as I understand mm -hmm. it. But when I look at truck prices, I, and they ain't I, cheap. Oh my gosh, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars and you see how many tricked out trucks there are on the road right. right now. My yeah. gosh. And, and that's great for manufacturers because trucks are much cheaper to make, typically. And uh, I just remember seeing a, sale, a chart of the average sales price of a, like an F1 50 you know the the most common vehicle on the road in, in america uh just the the sales price of them has has gone through the roof in yeah. the past you know 10 years yeah you're talking about trucks and suvs now that like you said a normal f-150 f-250 kind of truck they're 70 80 some of them are hundred thousand dollars and it's, it's insane because you're those now, are if you're using it to work <laughs> sure uh, it, it makes sense that's an investment in your work right and there are a lot of people who do that yeah but you don't need all of the bells and whistles but yeah for a hundred thousand dollars no. you're getting a lot more than just with your work you're getting more you're getting than the, the utilitarian the, truck yeah the bose sound system and <laughs> yeah. the premium leather right. seats and all that and and really it, it boils down 
down to, and I, I will try to, you know, encourage people to think about this going in. My mom, I'll use her for an example. She recently bought an SUV last year. It's a five-seater SUV, really nice. And uh, she got the top-of-the-line trim level because she wanted all the goodies, right? And she hasn't even driven the car a year, and because grandkids and things like that come into the, fit, into the picture, all of a sudden she wants a third row because they took one trip to the beach. And I told her, I said, do you really need a third row for that one trip or maybe two trips a year that you because take? Because you could rent a vehicle. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I told her. I said, you can rent a vehicle for instead of having to buy one and being stuck with it for five, six, seven, eight years, which people are financing that long of and a term now. not to mention the gas guzzling that occurs with one that's That's larger. exactly right. Also, because typical trends, economy's doing great, interest rates are a little bit higher. So I told told her, I said, this is probably not the best time for you to buy a vehicle because Mm -hmm. even on a new car, you're seeing a higher interest rate as well, which is going to cause your payment to go up. And, you know, you only have had the vehicle a year, so you probably haven't paid off the depreciation value, all those sort of things. It's just people don't take that into effect whenever they're buying a vehicle. They get emotionally attached to their car, (laughs) and then they want more for their car, so they don't understand why their car's not worth more, but then they also get caught up in, hey, you're approved, and we hear that, and immediately we don't care about anything else. All logic goes out the window, and we just want to go all in and get that car, that new car smell, and be driving that new well, car. Well, and the other thing that we tend to do, we don't focus on the bottom line price. We just think about, well, what's it going to cost me every month? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, exactly. and so when they start stretching that over more and more months, mm-hmm. then it looks like it's appealing. Hey, I can manage that. Sure. But then you don't think about how long it's going to take for you to pay that off. That's right. Uh, you know, a quick story here. I might have told this on the air before, but when I bought my uh, um, Soul originally, the one that got T-boned and replaced, it was it came down between the alien green one and the brown one. And the alien green one was, I don't know, $12 a month more. And so the salesman was all like, you, we really want you to get the car you really want. So, you know, so I brought my friend with me uh, who was my car buying expert. And he said, step outside for just a little minute. He, and he came, brought out and he said, do you realize that that $12 a month over the life of the car of the note is going to be? And it was like, you know, $3,500. And suddenly the color didn't seem that important to me. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to be talking to Roddy throughout the hour. So if you have any uh, automotive questions re- uh, related to uh, paying for a car, give us a call. Right now, though, do we, we do have a caller on the line. So we'll say good morning to Daryl in Memphis. Daryl, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. And, uh, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I do apologize for not calling in regard to the topic, but I do have a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that concern involved uh, a company that I had financed a purchase through. As a matter of fact, there were two purchases. Uh, I purchased two sets of tariffs through that company. I paid both purchases. Well, I did it at two separate times. I paid, I paid them both uh, early, and then I wanted to make another purchase. Well, the purchase that I wanted to make was the equivalent of the two sets of tires that I had purchased. Mm-hmm. And so um, the application through that company was not taken. Well, uh, I was uh, given the credit through another company 
but this company that denied me the application or the credit uh, sent me a letter about a couple of months ago explaining that they no longer wanted my business. And so when I looked at the letter and I read the reasoning for it, it said that um, something to the effect of I had not paid the bill timely, um, saying that for a while they together that paid them off too early. And so I'm thinking that I'm doing myself a favor by paying the accounts early, saving myself the interest that might have been charged if I didn't, and then going ahead and making a purchase. To me, it seems as if that company would want to keep a customer like I am. So you know, I'm, I'm wondering, am I wrong on that or... You're not wrong. Um, uh, it is important to pay off those debts as quickly as possible and avoid those interest payments. But as you have learned, that lenders don't always appreciate when you do that. They want to lock you in at a certain interest rate. <clears throat> they would prefer for that to ride for the entire length of the loan. I don't know what their specific reasons were for denying you credit. Um, if you are denied credit, you not only are expected to get a letter explaining that, but you can request your credit score. And by paying off those loans, you are improving your overall credit score. This lender, um, I, I would say don't worry about it. Um, if your credit score is improving because you are paying down these loans, then you're going to be able to get access to lower interest loans in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, you're doing absolutely the right thing by paying those off. I mean, something, you know, a loan for tires or financing on tires is not going to be necessarily the, the best credit um, or the, the best interest rates. Uh, it is very strange, like you said. I mean, even even a lender that, even kind of a more subprime lender that kind of makes money by, you know, offering credit in kind of weird situations and to folks who might not have great credit, even that, I mean, they they wouldn't be upset if someone paid early um, because they do expect a, a mix of, of payment uh, structures and a mix of credits coming in anyway. So that's just very, it's very strange uh, that they kind of cut you off. I mean, it's good that you were able to get financing elsewhere. I don't know if you know anything specific to the that auto industry, the kind of uh, service financing industry, what that might be. Uh, typically with something like that where it's, it's, a, it's kind of a meant for warranty type stuff where you're purchasing seeing something that's service related um, like tires or, or any kind of service to your vehicle sometimes it can come down to not necessarily how you're paying towards it but what is actually being charged towards the line of credit for instance if uh, if you've purchased the tires through the line of credit and then you came back six months later and purchased another set of tires again it all depends on the justification that the company is looking at so just like with a warranty company if you if you purchase an extended warranty it all depends on what you're filing how often you're using it um, and they eventually look at kind of a risk factor. They're, they may see it where they feel like there's being some kind of abuse or whatever, not necessarily on... Like on, you're running up and down the roads, and that's why you need tires on the Right, and, and it may not necessarily be, be um, you know, 
because he what anything that he's actually done it could be the place that he's purchasing the tires from or or how they're filing it you know the charge yeah, I mean, I just think part of the weirdest thing is that they sent a letter saying they didn't want him right. to. Yeah, that is like, odd. I, I mean. That is odd. <laughs> like, that's kind of rude. I mean, just just don't extend him any more credit if you don't want to extend him more credit. Don't don't well, tell him he's being mean and, to you. And luckily, he was able to get credit from somewhere else. Right. So sure. the question yeah. ha- comes up, well, what if you couldn't, and this was your only option, yeah. and now you're left with, but I paid my bills. I think you do have a case for yeah. um, uh, raising your hand and saying something's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Daryl, thanks for your call. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion with Roddy Merritt about negotiating the car purchase. We're also looking for any personal finance questions that you have for us, as we do each Tuesday. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or email the show, money at mpbonline.org. During the break, here's something to think about. What's the average new car cost? We'll have the answer for you after this, so stay tuned. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff. Our guest today is Roddy Merritt. He has 14 years in the car business and encompassing sales, car reviews, and financing and insurance. Uh, and he is our guest today. We're talking about financing a car. Also, uh, Roddy has a podcast called The Smart Car Buyer. So uh, if you'd like to know more about buying a car and some tips and things, uh, just use your favorite podcast app and find Roddy's podcast, The Smart Car Buyer. Um, before we go to our next caller, um, I guess part of buying a new car is knowing how much car you can afford. So, Ronnie, what are some of the costs that go into that? Some, I think, might be obvious. Some people might not kind of think about when they're thinking about how much the car they can afford. Yeah, I, I always tell people you, you need to be practical whenever you're going into buying a vehicle. What are the things that you absolutely need versus the things that you want? You kind of have to understand that your needs but Roddy, outweigh you your just, wants. You just told us about the emotion and how we get attached exactly. to our cars. Exactly. You know, and, and what's cool that a lot of people don't understand is in the in the automotive world, there's so much research that goes into actually human behavior and how people buy and what they're looking for and this sort of thing. And studies have found through um, the National Dealers Association, they have found that people are spending 13 to 15 hours researching mm-hmm. vehicles before they actually submit a lead online saying, I'm interested in this That's car. That's a good thing, though, good, right? Yeah, it is yeah. fantastic. Good for them. Good for and, them. And I tell people all the time, I say, I would, I would not just 
rashly go buy something because you saw it and you liked it. Do some research about it. And that's what a lot of the buying goes into. Is this vehicle, are you going to keep it a long time? Do you do you want to purchase a new vehicle every two or three years? If so, maybe leasing is a better option than actually buying it. All these sort of things. So you just have to figure out what your needs and your wants are. What kind of buyer are you? And I always tell people, dealerships spend so much money doing all this research and, and collecting all this data. I would find someone that I, I enjoy dealing with and trust. And I tell people all the time, don't be afraid of those dealerships. Use them. They have plenty of tools. They want to educate you. They don't want to just sell to people that don't know what they're talking about or don't know what they're doing. So do your own research, but also inquire with some people that sell cars every single day that can see how markets shift. Because a lot of people, if you bought a car five years ago, so much has changed within that five years mm-hmm. span of, of what's going on. A lot of people think that there's still two and 3000 and some people think there's $5,000 worth of cost in cars. I've seen new cars that have less than $300 worth of markup from an invoice. So mm. that negotiation and all that is it, there is a place for it, and there's a, there's a smart way to do it. There's a right way to do it. But you also kind of have to understand how things have changed. And so I tell people all the time, it's like, find someone you trust, maybe a friend, maybe a, a coworker, somebody like that. Who'd you buy your car from? Did you have a good experience? And then maybe reach out to that dealer and see if they can help you kind of guide you along. Yeah, I know. When I bought my car, <clears throat> I asked if it had a CD player in it, and the guy gave me kind of a sideways glance, and I'm like, well, at least I didn't ask for a cassette player or an 8-track. So. <laughs> but, yeah, that's amazing, how, yeah, as you said, how much car technology has changed if you do hold your car for a couple of years. We've got a caller on the line, so let's uh, talk to Danny from Biloxi. Good morning, Danny. You're on the air with us. Good morning, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, first of all, I, a couple of quick points. Um, the vehicle I bought, uh, well, first of all, I'm 67 years old and uh, at this time, and I bought a vehicle, you know, I was downgrading, I'd, uh, had life changes, but, you know, I decided to go ahead and buy a Jeep Patriot because it was a practical vehicle for me, and I was looking at cost of operations, maintenance, and all of those things, plus, you know, by myself being a bachelor, I didn't need a, <laughs> I didn't need a fancy vehicle, I just needed something that was practical. So when I went into the dealership, basically, they told me that, well, you know, you don't have any bad credit. Problem is, you just don't have any credit uh, mm-hmm. because over the years, I've just paid cash for everything, which I would advise people is a bad idea. <laughs> you know, you need to build credit over over, over your life. Um but you know, my 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 dad had always taught me, you know, that you know, trust in God, all others pay cash, and so I always paid cash for everything I did. Long story short, I wound up with what I consider to be a predatory loan. Um, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about it too much. I may have had that new car glint in my eye, just like you all talking about. Um, but you know, I wound up paying like three thousand dollars down cash. And wound up with a you know four hundred and fifty plus dollar a month payment, which is within my my means easy enough. Until you start looking at what seven years, uh, winds up to wow, you know a long term. So I'm taking a seventeen eighteen thousand dollar vehicle and now looking at long term uh, what thirty two thousand that zone. Um, my point is more a warning to people my age. Uh, be careful. 
uh, you know, as it is, I've, I've, you know, talked to some credit counselors and, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, I'm changing my loan to a less predatory, um, you know, uh, group. So my interest rates going down, which changes the overall picture. So I'll probably wind up paying, you know, 22, 24 for this vehicle at the end of the day, considering interest and everything else. But that was just a comment I just wanted to get out there and hear what you might have to say about it. All right, uh, Danny, thanks for the call. Uh, anybody, any comments on, on Danny's situation? Yeah, I think uh, it, I tell people this all the time because I've seen it so much. People don't understand. They come in, and they will. They'll have a great credit score. But um, as you guys know, a lot of times that doesn't necessarily pertain to what they're buying. So in the car industry, we like to tell people, you've got good credit, but you don't have good car credit. So all of the so lenders... So what's the difference? So it, it's it's just like buying a house or, or, or making any other kind of purchase. The lender's going to look at risk factor. What kind of risk factor are you? And if you have no history of paying over time on a large loan, you might have great credit which allows you to buy. However, that's going to affect the lender's decision on how much they loan to you as well as where they hit you at with the interest rate. Some of them are starting to demand or require a certain amount down, Mm -hmm. whatever that percentage might be, and that, of course, goes into that effect. So everyone's situation is always different. There's no one that's ever the same, ever. So can they... um can they make decisions on financing based on your age? Because this person said, I'm 67 years old, maybe retired. Absolutely. And and um, one a new thing, a new trend that we're seeing, lenders are actually, I've seen them actually do it to the customer in the dealership where they're calling to verify all of the information that's submitted mm-hmm. over to them, yeah. not just the income, but they'll ask them, is this your home address? Is this where the car is going to reside? Who are you going to use for insurance? How much are you putting down? Are you putting this amount? How are you paying it? Are you paying it with a credit card? Do you have a checking account? We're starting to see that, and it doesn't matter what your beacon score is. They're starting to get more involved because they understand that there's Well, that's a, their risk. Yeah. 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 They're, they're understanding that they can't just trust what's sent to them anymore because things change. People don't remember certain things. Like I said, you get in that emotional decision-making, and your driver's license is different than your home address, and you forgot about that because you don't get a driver's license every single day, and you probably don't look at it all the time. So they're verifying those things, which can help or hurt the decision on what they do. Um, I I would like to have known if if Danny traded in a car and if there was maybe some negative equity. That also affects what the lender looks at. They look at payment history. All that kind of stuff goes into it. I would say the biggest thing is when it comes to car credit, they're going to look at how many loans have you had? Have you paid them on time? When you traded them in, did you put money down? Even if it was a small amount, are how much of a risk factor are you? Are you a good car buyer? And then I say that probably is going to make the biggest difference in what kind of car you get, what kind of interest loan you get, 
et cetera. Hmm. All right. Uh, but by the way, uh, before the last break, we asked the average uh, cost of a car. According to the National Automobile Dealer Association, in 2018, the average selling price of a new vehicle was $35,249. Wow. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so, and also just one point about uh, what Danny was saying, you know, he ended up in a loan that was seven years long, which is... That's that's a long time for a car loan. <laughs> it is a long time, but actually that is the it's standard. Getting, that's the standard, standard now. 60, 72 months is, is kind of a standard. I've started seeing 84-month oh options my God. I mean, that, come up. That's wild yeah. because most people don't keep a car that long. They don't, and that's the thing is a lot of these lenders are going extended loans because people are worried about payment. It's it's We live in the Netflix society mm-hmm. where or, or the Amazon Prime society where you pay dollars. Yeah, yeah you you, you pay a, you pay a monthly fee for something. That's the way they're looking at their car note. It's my monthly fee for my car. Well, so I just kind of did some calculations on the difference between you know borrowing for four, five, six, seven years uh, on on per ten thousand dollars that you borrow. Um, I, I just did it six percent. I don't know if that's reasonable for a car that's, loan that's right. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at forty eight months, your your payment on ten thousand for your $10,000 at 6% will be $234 a month. And so you might look at that and you'd be like, ooh, you know, that's a little above my budget. You know, let me stretch that out. You move it out to 60 or 72 months, that's $193 or $165. At, uh, at seven years out, it's $146, uh, which is like, you know, $90 less. It's way cheaper every month. But you end up paying, you know, over that, you end up paying almost twice the interest over the life of the loan, even mm-hmm. though your interest rate is is the same. Right. So that I mean, that's one way that you kind of get in trouble. Also, longer loans, I would imagine they tend to have slightly higher interest rates. Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Most lenders will, so they'll give you options, and you know. I always tell people, I, like for me, for instance, when I bought my vehicle, I didn't go the longest term. I chose the lesser term mm-hmm. because it was a lower interest rate. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all about options. What manufacturers have started doing, and, and to me, this is one of the things about the car industry that I don't agree with, is manufacturers will put incentive money out there. You guys have all heard that. Look at these big rebates and incentives they have. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes if you go the longer term, they'll give you more of an incentive to buy. So you can take the $3,200 off of the vehicle or you can take the less interest. It all depends on what you want. Mm. I would strongly advise people one of the biggest things, and most people don't listen to me on this, but I would strongly advise people when you're buying a vehicle and you're if you are focusing on that monthly payment, make sure it's a payment that you can not just pay per month, but maybe every two to three months you can double up on it. So mm-hmm. in other words, if you can afford a $600 a month payment, I would encourage people, you probably want to get a four, maybe even a $300 a month payment. Take the less or car so that you can double up so that you're paying that off sooner. Banks, lenders will always look at paying a loan off sooner on a vehicle higher than anything else. It's going to greatly increase your chances of getting a lower interest rate, getting a nicer car, leasing, etc. And it really does make your 
your rate, if, if you're looking at whatever you're buying, it's going to make your credit score extremely elevated because it, they just love that and they report that really, really well. Well, yeah, and it brings up uh, the automotive companies are not just selling cars, they're selling money. That's right. And uh, their financing arms generate tons of profit for them, which mm-hmm. is why they can take maybe only $300 on profit on a car. Yeah. And, and the, I think the biggest thing that we're seeing is as far as trends, and we talked about the plateau happening, is that fact that they've got these extended terms. People are buying the most car they can, affording the, the most payment or more payment than they are able to afford. And that's why we're seeing that slowdown of increase. Mm. All right. We need to take another break. We've got Richard from Maven on the line. We'll get to his call after the break. So we said the average selling price of a new vehicle in 2018 was 35249 How about the average loan term and monthly payment for a new car? We'll have that information for you after the break. So stay tuned to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with our guest, Roddy Merritt, who is our car buying expert for the hour. We're talking about financing a car. Uh, Roddy has a podcast called The Smart Car Buyer that you might want to look for uh, using your favorite podcast app. Uh, we got some calls to get to, but before the break, we did ask the question. We said the average price of a new vehicle in 2018 was 35249 Then we asked about the loan term and monthly payments. So again, according to the National Automobile Dealers Association, the average new car loan in 2018 was 69 months, which is more than five and a half years, and it was a $521 per month payment. That seems rather steep. But, uh, well, so I, and I did, um, as as the audience would expect, uh, do some calculations on that. And, it, it, you know, maybe they're not financing that whole uh, car purchase price of 35000 But, I mean, that works out to, you know, maybe a, about a 5%, a little less 5% interest rate. Um, but that's going to be over $5,000 of interest over the life of that car. So, you know. And that brings up uh, the rates that Roddy was telling about. Us about during the break. What are those now? Yeah, currently the average, if you're 740 Beacon and you, you've got good car credit, you're looking on a new car, you're looking at about a 4.9, so right at 5%. On used car, it's somewhere around 6 7%. Is it average? All right, got a couple calls to get to. So let's start again by going to Mabin. Richard's on the line. Good morning, Richard. Go ahead, please. 
uh, about two years ago, I decided I needed a new pickup truck. And I went to my, the dealer that I had dealt with before and was pretty well satisfied with and uh, and ordered a pickup truck. They couldn't find one online that, that fit what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And they called me up about two weeks later and said, oh, your pickup truck's in. And I had specifically told them that I did not want a four-door truck. I wanted a two-door truck with a utility cab. And uh, when I got to the dealership, which was about 50 miles away, uh, yeah, it was a four-door pickup truck. And it didn't have all the the uh, other specifications that I'd asked for. Uh, and they informed me that Toyota wasn't met. This was in April, like I say, two years ago. And uh, the Toyota wasn't making any more two-door pickup trucks that year. Uh, and I ended up buying the four-door. But I've often wondered, often felt like uh, I was a victim of bait and switch because they were advertising a two-door on television, mm-hmm. and uh, and but yet then then they when I got you know when I got to buy one, nobody seemed to have one. They weren't making anymore, and I ended up buying a four-door. So, uh, is that was that accurate information they were giving me? Or do you know? I know a lot of dealerships. A lot of times, will, if it's a, if it's towards the end of the year, or if it's a certain model that is exiting, that's going out, that they aren't making anymore, they will. They'll put those on TV and they'll advertise, advertise them very heavily because they want to push those units out. They don't want to be stuck with them. So, not necessarily. I wouldn't say it was a bait and switch, but it it, te- it technically could have been something they were trying to move. They sold a bunch of them before you got there, and uh, they just tried to sell you what they had. I'm just a little curious, though, when when you when you go and ask for a specific vehicle from mm-hmm. a deal. I mean, obviously, you expect if you're going to take two weeks to order my vehicle in, like it better be. I mean, down to the color and the the thread on the stitching better be what I right. wanted. Um, but you know, are they ordering a specific vehicle where they can say, "Oh, you know, this vehicle is in inventory somewhere in the country. Here's the VIN number, and that VIN number is specific to the car, right?" So. That's right. So, I mean, you could verify that it's the correct, it is what you wanted. Or are they just, when when they do that, do they just say, oh, we'll go find something for you that kind of fits your description? So, uh, all dealerships, um, if, they're, if they're a manufactured dealership, meaning they, they have a manufactured logo above their dealership, mm-hmm. they are in a region. So, we are in the southeast region. They're able to pull up and be able to look at all of the inventory. So if you're looking for a certain car, truck, SUV, and it has to have certain stitching and these sort of things, they know the packaging. They know how it, it's made. They'll, they're able to see that. And yeah, they can pull it from uh, from other dealerships within their region. Mm-hmm. It, and they can go outside of the region. It makes it a little bit more difficult. But all of those manufacturer dealerships have an actual rep that they can contact and mm-hmm. say, I've got a customer customer that needs this car, he's looking for this, uh, can you help me out and see if you can find one, and they can go to work for them as well. What a lot of dealerships don't like to do is is to do all of that 
work to make the sale simply because they want to sell what's on the ground, obviously. Mm -hmm. They have a floor plan, and they have to move the cars that they have there. So sometimes you can dealer trade, so you can get rid of – you can kind of – get rid or replace the vehicle that you have for the one that the customer wants. Mm-hmm. But that's not always necessarily the case, especially if it's it's, a, it's something that's very new, that's really popular. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. dealers don't want to get rid of it. It's kind of sound like what yeah. this gentleman was looking for. It's a very niche market for that vehicle. So they may not want to get that because it's a go, it's, you know, going out model. It's, it's, they're retiring it or whatever. They may not want to get that in and take the chance that you do or you don't buy it. They're, they're, taking a risk just like lenders take a risk on giving you a loan so it's it's one of those situations where it again it varies depending on what it is but yeah they do have a way where they can find exactly the car that you want the way that you want it as long as it is produced by the manufacturer so roddy we hear all the time about the best time to buy a car Mm -hmm. and and they've changed when they roll out the new models so when is the best time of year to buy a car (laughs) and then you also hear about put put this on your calendar uh, you know a certain time of the month where the sales are trying to make their quotas for the month. Is there a better time there? There, so yes and yes. Okay, <laughs> right. let's hear it. So I'm Spill going. It. I'm going to debunk a uh, a rumor, which is you get the best deals at the end of the year. Most people think. Oh, if it's 2019, I'm going to get the best deals on a 2019. I'm going to wait till the last week of December before I go buy a new car. And that is absolutely not true. I typically, and like I said, I've been in the industry since 05. Typically, the best time that I've seen to buy a car is going to be in the summer months. I've seen higher mm. rebates. I've seen dealers get more aggressive with what they're doing as far as their selling techniques and things like that. For some reason, the summer always seems to be the time that you start to hit kind of a wall and sales kind of they they kind of mellow out. They're not as popular as they were because we just went through tax season or whatever mm. in the spring. So I typically see buying a car during the summer months as being a better time to buy a vehicle. Um, on the second part of that question, yes, dealerships will get more aggressive towards the end of the month. Typically, when you get to about the 20th, the 23rd, somewhere in mm. there, they will start you, I, I've seen it happen time and time again. They may put a little bit more money in your trade. They may cut the cost of the vehicle down to bare bones just to move a unit. And every new car dealership has a quota that they have to meet, whether that be 30 cars a month or that's 300 cars a month, just depending on their size. They do have a quota to meet on those new cars. So when you see people sending you those emails and those text messages and those uh, mailers that say, you, come you by in 2019, <laughs> It's because they're trying to hit that number, and, and they have to on hit the twentieth of the month. Exactly, huh? okay. exactly. They're very, they're very much ready to get rid of that, those units that they have. All right, time to take one more quick break. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. We've been visiting throughout the hour with Roddy Merritt, who is our automotive expert for the hour. Dennis has been holding on in Ocean Springs. Dennis, we'll get to your call right after this break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Montrich-Anderson and Ryder Taft. And our guest today is Roddy Merritt, our Mississippi automotive expert. Uh, Roddy does have a podcast called The Smart Car Buyer. So if you are interested in what we've been talking about this morning, maybe uh, subscribe to his podcast and get his insight on a regular basis. All right, let's see how many of these calls we can plow through before the end of the hour. Dennis, thanks for holding. You're finally on the air with us. So go ahead, please. Hi, two things uh, real quick. Number one, consider buying a certified pre-owned CPO. I buy a lot of cars that way. Uh, it, you know, it takes that first year of, uh, of severe devaluation, you know, and like a, mm-hmm. I bought a BMW, it was a $90,000 car, I got it for seventy, and I wound up with even a better warranty than the new car warranty. Wow. Almost all manufacturers have, the, have CPO programs. The second thing is a warning. Uh, when you get, when you, you you need to keep stressing that you want the out the door price, out the door price, because when you show up in the finance office, you'll settle on a price, and they will fee you to death and start to try to sell you all sorts of crazy junk that you don't need. You know, you have to buy the extended warranty today. No, you don't. You usually got a year to buy an extended warranty. You can shop around for it. So, you know, don't be bull- I, I think the business manager is a bigger moneymaker now than the car salesman, actually. <laughs> and uh, you just you need to be very, very careful there. And it's like hotels now. They That seems to be the new thing with businesses. Just, you know, we'll, we'll, chart, we'll tell you what the price is, and then, oh, yeah, but there's this fee and there's that mm-hmm. fee, and suddenly your hotel that you thought was going to be $90 a night is $130 mm-hmm. a night. And uh, just just be careful. <laughs> that's a that's a great warning. Thank you so much, Dennis. Uh, good call, Dennis. Thanks for holding on for us. so. Um, so, Roddy, the the pre owned. I saw you nodding there, and I think that's good because again, if you buy a late model used car, as he said, you're kind of the depreciation and everything out of the way. Maybe you get a, a better value. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. He's he's correct on that. Is certified pre owns typically do they'll extend the warranty, and it's already under factory warranty, so they'll take that mm-hmm. warranty up to a certain level. Um, that usually they require that the vehicle has a certain reconditioning. Most manufacturers require that if you do a CPO unit. It does cost a little bit more because the dealer does have to put money into the vehicle, but it means tire depth has to be at a certain level. It's almost like buying a new car is what I tell people. It's the closest to buying a used car that you can to a new car. And I do agree with him very much because as well as buying it and taking that you know, you don't take as much of a depreciation loss when you do buy it. The good thing about it is a lot of times lenders will take a CPO and they will do a new car loan on it, mm. meaning you can finance it longer, you can get a lower interest rate on it. You, Like he said, you are getting a better warranty. Sometimes those plans come with roadside assistance. They mm-hmm. come with free XM. They come with... Uh, Sometimes they come with service warranties Mm -hmm. included in that. So, yeah, it it is most of the time it is better to buy a certified pre-owned versus just buying a used car or buying a new car sometimes. Okay. So certified pre-owned, quick question. Um, So they they hold them to a higher standard than just a regular used car, but is it only available typically on – you know, kind of recent cars, or I mean, you're not. Are you going to get a ten year old certified no. pre owned like a? Yeah, okay. they'll they have year parameters. They've got mileage parameters, mm-hmm. uh, and like I said, they're 
sometimes it's it, even if it's a new car, they most of them will not let you have um, purchase it if it's got any kind of exterior damage, mm-hmm. body paint, et cetera. So not, it's held the the car itself is held to a higher standard, and you get better deals on the on the financing and uh, warranty. So yeah, uh, great, awesome advice from mm-hmm. Dennis there. All right, let's uh, get one more call in this hour. Bert's called in from Indianola. Good morning, Bert. Go ahead. Morning. Quick question. Seems like in the past cash was king, and now with all the in-house financing, uh, whereas maybe with cash you'd say, uh, will you take X cash expecting, I don't know, 5%, 10% uh, uh, price reduction with the benefit for them making money on extended warranties, uh, extended um, uh, loan periods? Is, is cash not as attractive as it used to be? Yeah, so you're right. Most most dealerships are going to look at cash as being a in and out, no way to make any extra money, that mm. sort of thing. And because there is very little markup in the vehicles nowadays, because everyone's so competitive due to the internet and internet pricing, yeah, it's it's a lot of times it does interfere with them having a ability to sell the car. However, like I stated before, most dealers have a quota that they have to reach on not just new cars but cars in general because it makes them look better. And they look at things like the, how long the cars sit on the lot. So they don't want – most of them are not going to want cars that sit on the lot very long. So that old adage of – cash is king i'm bringing cash in what's your cash price that is not as appealing to a dealership as it once was Hmm. all right burton we appreciate your call let's see uh, sue from beaumont is called in sue we're a little bit pressed for time so if you could be brief yes um, i read that a a young guy named jaleel hassan a son of rich arabs had said he was the heir to the toyota corporation so when did the arabs buy out toyota from the japanese Oh, that's news to me. <laughs> yeah, to- Toyota is a publicly traded company. So, if uh, Sue, if you would like to be the heir to the Toyota fortune, <laughs> it is ticker symbol TM, and you can, um, you too, can enjoy the wealth. All right, Sue. So, as far as we know, the the Arabs do not own Toyota, but maybe we'll do some research uh, and see if we can find out. So, uh, just a reminder: uh, our guest uh, has uh, Roddy has a podcast. It's called the Smart Car Buyer. So, if you're interested in what we've been talking about uh, today, and I think you know most people buy new cars, and it's a it's a fascinating thing, and it's a good idea uh, to have some tips because uh, Roddy, as you mentioned, they're kind of loaded for bear, and they know how to sell things to you. So, mm-hmm. it's important that the consumer be as as uh, educated as possible. That's right. Yep. I'm uh, I'm subscribing to it now. Thank Look you. At that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. All right. That is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or you can subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Money Talks. The show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lottridge, Anderson, Ryder Taff, and Roddy Merritt. I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 